0: Turn in your Bibles with me to Second Corinthians chapter four, the book of Second Corinthians, and chapter number four. Second Corinthians and chapter number four. <clears throat> I'll begin reading with verse one. Second Corinthians four one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He says in verse 1, seeing we have this ministry. Uh, perhaps you have not considered yourself in the ministry, but if you're saved by God's grace, you are. If you'll look over in the very next chapter, chapter 5 and, and verse 18. Well, look at verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. You see, I was separated from God, but Christ reconciled me. Look at verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Verse number 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You've never made a better trade than verse number 21. The Lord Jesus said, I tell you what, you give me all your sin, I'll give you my righteousness. You can't, you can't pass up a deal like that. There's no other way to get rid of our sin. but Jesus, the righteous one, imputed his righteousness into us and took our sin upon himself when he died for us on Calvary. So we, we go back now to verse 18 again. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Notice, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Every born again believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have been reconciled unto God. The wall of partition is down, and we are no longer at enmity against God, nor Him against us. Now, he says, you have the ministry to see others reconciled unto Him. He goes again in verse number 19, the latter part of the verse, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And verse 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Seeing we have this ministry. Now how effectively we carry out that ministry is entirely up to us. But it has been committed to us by God the ministry of seeing others reconciled unto Himself. If you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we are after you. Uh, We will not try to trick you into anything. We're simply telling you we want to see you saved by the grace of God. We want to see Jesus Christ do His perfect work in your heart. You are among friends. You are among a people that care for you and care about you. And our greatest joy would be for you, before you leave this service tonight, to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So now he says we have, seeing that we have this ministry, we minister the truth. And he tells us that in verse number 2. We have the truth. Now, if we look at every religion in the world, and there's a bunch of them, and we say to the world, we have the real truth, then doesn't it behoove us to carry out this ministry? Multitudes are going to hell deceived by religion, but we possess the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but By me. Uh, There's no other name under heaven given among men. Whereby ye must be saved. I can remember hearing Dr. Harold Seitler say, you know, there there are those that say, uh, all roads lead, all religions lead uh, to heaven. And he would say, no, all religions lead to hell. Only Jesus Christ leads to heaven. Amen. You can be a Baptist and go to hell. No, it takes being saved by the grace of God. We propagate the truth. What is that truth? That Jesus died according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, the scripture says. Whosoever... Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad the Lord made it simple for us? yeah, I'd, I'd have never gotten it had He not made it simple for me. No? But he, he didn't make it complex, but I tell you, religion does. Religion has you jumping through all kinds of hoops to get saved, and you never really know how much you have to do to get there. There are those that say, you can lose your salvation. I've asked several of them, well, what do you do to lose it? Have you ever lost yours? No. This great salvation that we possess that came to us by way of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can't lose it. It found you, and it'll keep finding you. He says, we... Display the truth. Now, this truth, he goes on to say, is hidden to the lost. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of those that believe not. Now, on this side of salvation, we stand amazed that the world can reject the Lord Jesus. And sometimes, after we're saved a while, we forget that we did exactly the same thing. Sometimes it's simply because eyes are blinded. And I believe with all of my heart that it takes the power of God to cause the scales to fall from a man's eyes and him be saved by the grace of God. I have no disrespect for Mr. Calvin, but I don't have a Calvinist bone in my body. I believe Jesus died for every sinner. And I believe that every sinner can be saved by the grace of God if they will trust Him and the price that He paid for their sins. You say, well, I think He left me out. I think not. I've been saved a long time. I ought to know better than you. Yes. took my dad a long time. 59 years old when Dad got saved. Had a godly mom. My grandfather was a, a lay Baptist preacher. His father was an ordained Baptist preacher. My dad grew up in the midst of, of uh, Christianity. And yet for one reason or another, for 59 years, he said no to the Lord Jesus. He believed the Bible. I mean, he believed it so that if there was a Bible sitting on a table in our house, if you laid as much as a paper clip on top of it, he'd whoop you. You know what I mean, whoop? That was bad. Get whooped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he believed in church. If, If you had asked him, Woodrow, do you believe Jesus Christ saved sinners? He'd have said yes. Do you believe in the blood atonement? He'd have said yes. Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? He'd have said yes. If you die today, where would you go? He'd say to hell. Until he bowed his heart to Jesus Christ at the age of 59 trust of the Lord got saved by the grace of God. Yes. Jesus delights in saving sinners, doesn't he? What a wonderful thing it is to see people trust the Lord. I remember we had a a lady in our church when when I pastored back in the mid-1700s. And every once in a while, uh, her husband would come to church. Oftentimes she'd say, preacher, will you pray? pray for. Uh, Can you remember his name right now? And and I said, I sure will. And 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 I'll come out and see him. And, and it was about 20, 25 minutes out to his house. Uh, they lived in a mobile home. And I would go in the front door and uh, I'd look out the back window and I'd see his head going out through the tobacco patch out back. Yeah. But he came to church one Sunday night. And, uh, sitting maybe a third of the way back. Invitation was given, and and he shot out uh, like he was sitting on a rocket. Met me right here. Bear hugged me. I could feel his chest heaving. 55 years old. He said, Preacher, I've got to get saved. Yeah, and and we just got down in the floor right there, squalled with one another. He got saved by the grace of God. And you, and you know what happened to him <clears throat> once he got saved? He wanted other people to get saved too. Yeah. <clears throat> he called me. Oh, I guess it was two weeks later. It was on a Wednesday. He said, Preacher, can you baptize tonight? J.C. I said, well, J.C. already baptized you one time. He said, no, it's not for me. It, it's for uh, Mr. Parks. And I said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, I got up this morning and and i had th- this old gentleman he said i i had him on my heart and I, I couldn't i couldn't shake it so he said i sat down at my table with a, with a 3 by 5 card and i wrote down those bible verses that you read to me and he said i drove right over to his house he said i knocked on the door and said he was feeble never went out of the house he was he was uh, on a cot in his living room and and he said he he spoke when i knocked on the door and he said It ain't locked. Come on in. And he said, I went inside, and he said, uh, uh, this is J.C. And Mr. Parks said, J.C., I hadn't seen you in years. He said, pull a chair up here and and talk to me. And so he pulled a chair up, and he said, Mr. Parks, before we get involved too much in conversation, I've got some things to tell you. If I don't get it said, I won't. I won't be able to. And he said, well, J.C., you just share with me what's on your heart. And he said, Preacher, I read them Bible verses to him. And I told him what Jesus had done for me. And he said, that old gentleman, 91 years old, looked at me and said, J.C., did Jesus really do that for you? He said, he did, I'm telling you. He did. Oh, he said, J.C., you reckon he'd do it for me too? And J.C. said, if you would ask him, I believe he would. And so... He asked the Lord Jesus to save him from his sins. Yeah. And then as soon as he, as soon as he got saved, he said, Now, J.C., I, I went to Sunday school some when I was a boy. He said, Seemed like to me once you got saved, you're supposed to get baptized. Oh, yeah. Couldn't even get out of the house. And he said, Well, sir, that's true, but we understand your situation. He said, Is that what the Bible teaches? He said, Yes, sir. He said, Then I want to get baptized. J.C. said, Preacher, can you baptize him tonight? I said, you bring him. We'll baptize him. Oh, yeah. He came in his pajamas and housecoat, slippers. It probably took 15 minutes to get him down in the baptistry. He was so feeble. But we had a time once we got him there. Oh, yes. Jesus delights in saving. Can you imagine? 91 years old just getting in. Oh, yeah. He's been in heaven several years now. He'll know so much about it, he'll lead us about it when we get there. Oh, this is wonderful news that we share. Why? Because it's truth. It's truth. it has the power to open blinded eyes and defeat Satan in sending people to hell. We have this ministry. oh, how it ought to bless us. We are servants of Jesus Christ. He says in verse five, we don't preach ourselves. No, we preach the Lord Jesus, and we're servants to those that we're attempting to reach with the gospel of Christ. The gospel has great power, isn't it wonderful? I was witnessing to a fellow one time, and and I noticed when I came in the door, uh, he had a he had a whiskey bottle under the coffee table in front of him, and I came in and and sat down and and started witnessing to him. And and he'd let me talk about anything I wanted to talk about until I got to John chapter 3. He said, we're not going there. I said, I just want to talk about this salvation experience with you. He said, you can talk about whatever you want to, but 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 not there. He never told me why, but he said not there. So I, I told him everything I could tell him, and I, then I said, oh, can I pray with you? And he said, sure. And so I started praying through John 3. He stopped me. Oh, yeah, he stopped me. He said, I told you, would wasn't going there now. And I left with him lost. I hope he got saved eventually. I remember uh, I went with a, a deacon of ours to a, a fellow's home one day, and uh, he was 82 years old. And uh, I talked to him about the Lord, and, and he said, no. He said, uh, I'm not going to get saved. And I said, could you tell me, sir, what is so important about your sin that you'd go to hell over it? And he pointed to an 8 by 10 black and white picture on the wall. It was a picture of his mother. He said, that's a picture of my mom. He said, my half-sister. We had the same dad, not the same mom. She has a picture just like that, and she won't give it to me. I said, sir, do you really mean to tell me that you're willing to go to hell Over in a black and white 8 by 10 picture that you already have one of? He said, well, until she gives it to me, I'm not going to forgive her. And I don't feel like I can ask God to forgive me as far as I know. He died and went to hell without God. What a tragedy. Oh, if you're here tonight, there's nothing in your life worth going to hell over. Jesus Christ, the darling son of God, saves from sin we bring the light that has been given to us and we share that light with others you're the light of the world a light i told you i think it was well it had to be yesterday wasn't it Uh, yesterday i said you know even dim lights ought to burn bright today so dark out there but our light ought to be shining Forth with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then and then he says something here I think is is pretty amazing in verse seven. He says, "But we have this treasure. W- what treasure? This gospel of Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, oh, clay pots. Huh? Clay pots. That's all. The best one of us. We're just a clay pot, common, ordinary." clay pot saved by grace is the only thing that makes us worth anything yes just clay pots god could have chosen so many other ways to to display uh, his gospel to to the world but he chose clay pots he placed within us this life and this light that comes by way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why why would God choose to do it in such a way? Well, fortunately, He tells us. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. I wish I had the power to save sinners, but I don't. If baptism would save sinners, then and, and I'd get some strong fellows and we'd go around just dunking people right and left. But it won't save. I, I, don't, I don't have the words to communicate to cause you to get saved. I can tell you the gospel. I can preach to you the word. But it's going to take the spirit of the living God to touch you and open you, your eyes from their blindness. But once you see Him in all of His glory, you will want Him as He wants you. A common vessel displaying the power of God. So we see the gospel treasure in the earthen vessel. Secondly, we see the grace of God and the glory of God. In uh, verse number 15, excuse me, yes, verse number 15. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. This whole idea now of taking earthen vessels and using them to propagate the gospel of Christ is so that in the end sinners will know it's the power of God and it will redound to the glory of God. I wonder what God would do in our midst tonight if He knew He'd get all the glory for it. If you go back into verse 8, he he tells about the difficult time. And, And Paul, of course, can read his own life into this. He said, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So we display through this mortal flesh the grace of Almighty God that's been shown to us. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful story that we have to tell to the lost world. Troubled, he says, on every side. The battle rages. But Paul says, let me tell you, you will be victorious. Brother Brother Sammy Alling used to say, hey, are we working for the victory? He said, no, we're working from the victory. The victory has already been given to us. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Glory to God, Paul would say. And then we see the temporal and the eternal. In verse number 16, for which cause we faint not. What about that? Have you ever fainted? You don't have to tell me. I'll, I'll just confess to you, I have one time. <clears throat> I uh, had been to to Dallas uh, to a conference, <clears throat> and I uh, probably shouldn't tell you, but I'd, I had been fasting for the three days that I was gone, and I got back, and our school principal came to the airport to get me, and he said, did you know that Hans Autumn is in the hospital? Now, his name wasn't actually Hans. It was Hans. But we didn't. We was East Tennessee. We didn't say Hans. We, His name was Hans. And uh, he said, uh, Hans Autumn is, is in the hospital. Uh, you want to get some lunch and go by? I said, no, let's just go by and see him first. And so we we went in the room, and uh, I said, how you doing? Hands and he said, uh, well, better now. I said, you had a rough morning? He said, well, they had a tube in my chest draining, and uh, he said the doctor came in and talked to me, and he was just feeling around that tube, and he said he just jerked it out. Yeah, I fell in the floor. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling you, I just, I fell in the floor. And you know, it was only an instant, but the principal had time to get to me and loosen my tie. Preacher, are you okay? And I'm looking up all day. And, and Hans is looking down over the bed at me and the floor. And I said, are you comforted yet? I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. If it's embarrassing If it's embarrassing to faint physically, what is it to faint spiritually? for us to live year after year after year honoring God and then because of a lack of diligence fall by the wayside and dishonor him. He says it in verse 1 as well as here faint not for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day isn't he? Well, if we're reading our Bible and we're praying, I guarantee he's strengthened day by day. And he says, uh, uh, and yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our, now now, now notice this, this this is so important, for our light affliction. Wait wait, just a minute. Uh, Back in in verse 8, he says we're troubled, we're distressed, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're cast down. And Paul says, those are light afflictions. Do you know of anyone that you have read about or, or, or yourself that, that, that suffered as much abuse at the hands of the world and religion as Paul did? And yet he says, for our light affliction is but for a moment. He said, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, and the things which are seen are the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you do you still have your Bible handy there? Look over a few pages to chapter twelve. Excuse me, chapter eleven. 2 Corinthians chapter eleven. Oh, well, let's look at verse twenty-two. Second Corinthians eleven twenty-two. Are they Hebrews, he said? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches? Have we ever even come close to suffering the kinds of things that the great apostle suffered? And yet Paul said, these are light afflictions. Now why would he say that? I don't know what you might be facing today. Physically, emotionally, financially. I don't know what you might be facing today. But I guarantee you, Paul would say to you, no matter how horrific it is, it's a light affliction. And I'm going to show you why. Look in chapter 12 now, of 2 Corinthians and verse 1. Paul says, it's not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man a Paul's going to speak of himself in the third person. Paul said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up in the paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will glory, but uh, but in mine afflictions. So Paul Paul is saying <clears throat> there was a time in his life that he died. You said, Well, brother, stone you, you don't believe it. Oh, I, I believe he died when they stoned him outside of Lystra. He said when when he died, he was caught up into the third heaven. He went to paradise. He saw God in all of his glory. He was in heaven. And the Lord said, I want you to go back. And when you go back, it will not be lawful for you to tell what you've seen or heard. Now I know, I know there are those that have been there in our era that have written books and made a lot of money on it. You say, well, you think, Brother Weston, I think they had some kind of an experience. I don't think they went to heaven. Why? Because one of the greatest Christians that ever lived went and God said it would be unlawful for you to go tell anybody about it. So now this is what I want you to see. Paul suffered like no other man has ever suffered. He also personally experienced heaven. And he said, I want to tell you something. Compared to what we are going to receive in heaven, these afflictions on earth are nothing. He said, what we're going through right now is just a very short period of time. What we're going to enjoy over there is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever unto the ages of the ages. We're going home. We'll get to the house one of these days and all of these glorious things that Paul could not tell us about. He could just simply tell us it was so wonderful that what I've gone through here on earth is nothing. It's a light affliction. Oh, what a future we have. What an amazing future. We have it just kind of makes you want to round up everybody you can to go with you. Amen? Family members? Friends. I remember I remember reading this is probably more than forty years ago. And and I would imagine the stats are pretty close today. It said through revival meetings. we got about uh, 1% of the people that come into our churches and stay. Uh, through our visit, visitation programs, generally about a half of a percent. And it just went on all these 1% and 2 percents and half of a percent. But then it concluded that somewhere between 70 and 80% of the people that come into our churches come because a close friend or relative invites them. Now that being true, Doesn't it seem reasonable that we would go after family and friends? Yes. To do what? Get them to go to this place called heaven with us. Why? Because we've been given this ministry. But Brother Whetstone, if we carry out this ministry, we're we're, we're apt to face hardships. Yeah, but they're nothing compared with the glory that's going to follow. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. As horrible as hell is, heaven is in the opposite direction, so glorious and wonderful. Why don't you, why don't you picture someone, get them in your mind's eye right now, someone that you fear does not know the Lord. They might live in this area, they might not. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. And can I say to you, I don't don't care how your children are living. God pity you if you cast them aside. They need to know the Lord. They need to be saved. Pray over their souls. Tell them of the Lord Jesus. Say, well, they just won't listen. You don't know that. No, you don't know that. Seven years I talked to my dad about the Lord. Seven years. With tears, I prayed over his soul. Not one moment did I ever think of giving up. Why? Because he was still breathing. If he was still breathing, there was hope. You see? Someone in your mind's eye right now. Just one? Just pick out one. I read years ago that loving everyone in general is oftentimes an excuse for loving no one in particular. So I just love everybody. Could I get you to pick one of them out? Just pick one of them out and say, by the grace of God, I commit myself this night to pray for them and to seek after them in whatever avenues I can. Gospel tracts, witnessing, inviting them to church. I commit myself to go after them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Now, I hope that will not be the only person that you witness to but hone in on one and say, until they die and go to hell, or trust Christ to go to heaven, I'm going to go after them. I'm not going to let go. I was telling the I was telling the pastor a few years ago. I was I was preaching at Bob Jones University with uh, Ian R. K. Paisley from Ireland, and I preached on the Syrophoenician woman, and I I don't know how to preach a complex message. I, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm not smart enough. It was just a simple message on the Syrophoenician woman. And Dr. Paisley met me behind the, uh, the uh, stage and, and uh, with tears in his eyes. Now, he was a Calvinist. Made no apologies for it. But he said to me, he said, Brother Whetstone, you challenged my heart tonight. There was a man that I tried for seven years to bring to God and he wouldn't get saved. But I've, I've committed myself tonight. I'm going to go home and win him to God. Amen? God, pick you one out and say, by the grace of God, maybe a mom, maybe a dad, son, a daughter, an aunt, a uncle, a neighbor, someone you've worked with pretty much your life, and let's take our ministry of reconciliation and go after them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then whatever comes our way, let's say, this is tough, but it's nothing compared with the glory that will follow. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing grace that would bring us to a place of salvation and give us the opportunity to share it with others. And I pray that each of us tonight Will commit ourselves to at least one person that we will witness to and go after with the gospel that we will pray for until we see them saved, or they're beyond hope by way of death. Help us, I pray, that are discouraged and disheartened tonight. May we be encouraged by the reality of the message that came from a man who is actually into heaven he witnessed it he saw it he heard things and when he came back he said can't tell you everything but i can tell you this what you're going through is a lot of affliction compared with the glory that will follow may we revel in the hope of heaven and for all that you do i'll thank you and praise you